0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please
1: visit us at rmcmchurch.org. All right, let's
2: uh, pray. I, I do want to get into the Word for a little bit. The Lord's given me some things for you. And then um, I want to encourage you as we're, as we're doing this, as we're in the Word. Uh, some of you, I know, came in prepared during our testimony time to give testimonies, to come up and give testimonies. But I really want to encourage you. A lot of you came in determined not to do that, okay? <laughs> I know this. Uh, I just really want to encourage you, it, and, and that happens for a couple of reasons. Some of us are just shy. I'd, I'd ask you to try and think of a loving thing to say. Get over that, because we need to hear what God is doing in your life. And I want you to remember that whatever we share, it is an encouragement to everybody else. And I want to remind you to take the blessings that someone else has experienced as an encouragement to you. God will do for you what he's done for others. He'll, he, and, and so, because some of you don't want to come up because you don't want to tell how good God's been in your life because you're afraid it'll make somebody else feel bad and we always like to take this as an opportunity to say don't ever let somebody else's testimony make you feel bad that's you're in charge of that okay we can't help that if you do that but i what we need to do is always listen to what god has done in somebody else's life celebrate with them number 1 and secondly know this is the same god i serve that's an important lesson especially in our culture today where we are so entitlement oriented and and there's so much I'm going to talk about that in a minute there's there's that spirit of jealousy that at times flows throughout our society really it's so damaging and we don't want to give place to it so as I'm as we're in the word here I just want to encourage you listen and think and and help us in a little while come up and share something that God has done in your life, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that it is alive, it is rich, it is full of your life, it is food for our spirits, it is light for our path, it is illumination to us, it is, it is nourishment to our hearts, Lord, Father, we thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that brings this word alive as we look into it together as a family today. And I ask you, Lord, to bring revelation to each heart, to every heart in this place. Challenge us where you want to challenge us. Encourage us. Strengthen us, Lord. Do all that you want to do. We trust you. We know, Lord, that we only grow when we give ourselves to you. And Father, we all need to grow. So we thank you for it. Thank you for your faithfulness over your word in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Well, you can open your Bibles over to uh, John chapter 6 this morning. And I just want to look at uh, a few passages this morning. And and probably all of these are, uh, you know, familiar to us. But let's not fam- let familiarity kind of steal the life out of them for us. This, of course, is the story of uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. There were a couple of different times when <clears throat> bread was multiplied in Jesus' ministry. But this is the story of the 5,000. It's in all the different Gospels. Uh, I'm going to read it from the Gospel of John today, and, and I'm going to start with the NIV. We're going to start in verse 5, John chapter 6, verse 5. It says when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him he said to Philip where shall we buy bread for these to eat he asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do philip answered him eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite another of the disciples andrew simon peter's brother spoke up here's a boy with five small uh, barley loaves and two small fish but, how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, "Have the people sit down, there was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about five thousand of them. So you all know there are five thousand men and their families, so you know the the estimates range from ten to fifteen thousand people out there i don 't know i don 't know that i 've ever been in a stadium or whatever some of you have at games and things with that many people, but i 've been in places with Five or six thousand, at least, easily—it's uh, a lot of people. I mean, that was a lot, that was a lot of people that they're standing there facing, uh, with a few barley loaves and a couple of fish. So he had them sit down. Verse eleven: Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. So he took the loaves first gave thanks, began to distribute them. And virtually all of the manuscripts say that what he did was gave the pieces, gave the bread to the disciples. The disciples gave it to the people. He didn't go out and serve each person. And so the disciples also, of course, got to be a part of the multiplication miracle and see it happening in their own hands. And he did the same thing with the fish. So he, it was, I hadn't really noticed this before, he gave thanks for each part. He didn't just say, thank you for the kid's lunch and start distributing it. He gave thanks for each piece. And I think that's an important thing for us is you know not to make it a legalistic thing, but to be that aware in our lives of each thing that the Lord brings into our life and to give thanks for it. I think this giving thanks thing is so powerful and so important and changes so many dynamics in us, let alone releases a lot of spiritual life from us, but just changes our hearts so dramatically that I don't think we can ever do it too much. I don't think God ever gets tired of the giving of thanks. And I don't think he's sitting there um, jealously waiting for us to give thanks. I think it is for, it is for our benefit to give thanks. But Jesus took each part, the bread and the fish, gave thanks for each one, gave them to the disciples, and uh, sent them out with it. And it says when they had all had enough to eat, and actually the the literal text there says everybody had eaten until they were satisfied. Everybody on it, you can, there would be varying degrees of how much people ate, you know, uh, one person, Annie would eat one certain amount, Corey would eat a different amount. Okay. Uh, So those, you know, people ate and they were satisfied. And that's, there's something, I don't want to take too much time on this, but there's something also in this about the satisfaction that came from, from what the Lord provided. But, but they'd all eaten, they were satisfied Jesus told the disciples, go gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered and filled 12 baskets full of pieces of barley loaves. And of course, there are a lot of lessons in this. But just the two things I wanted to bring out of this one is that Jesus gave thanks for each individual piece. And secondly, that gratitude, giving thanks, brings value. We value things that we are thankful for. It's automatic. And so let nothing be wasted. Why? Because this was a miracle. Because this was provision from God. We're not going to just wastefully let the pieces fall. We are going to pay attention and we're going to receive everything that God gave us and we're going to value even the fragments, even the small things. Most of the time when God blesses you in your life, there are a whole scope of issues that go on. It isn't just the central thing. He's the God that's more than enough. He, he does more than enough. And there are, we can look at, wow, yes, that provision was a blessing, but there are all these pieces. It touched all these areas. Gratitude does that. When, we're, when we have a heart attitude of gratitude, then we will notice on those things, all right? Um, Rather than, anyway, rather than focusing on what we don't have, which we'll see later. So what, the other thing I wanted to bring out about this is up in verse 23, or I'll start in verse 22 of this same chapter. It says, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place, near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord gave thanks. All right. And then they all went and tracked them down, but they called this place the place where they ate the bread after the Lord gave thanks. It's so interesting to me that the fact that Jesus gave thanks is attached to the feet. It wasn't just where they ate the bread. It wasn't just where it was multiplied. It wasn't just where the kids' lunch blew up. It wasn't any of that stuff. It was where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. They recognized the significance of the gratitude, of the thanksgiving, of the, of the open giving of thanks to the Father in this miracle. And they called the place that. And I don't know if they called it that from then on, but that was how they referred to this place. That's, that to me is really significant. They recognized what had happened there. Okay, <clears throat> let's look at another one. Matthew chapter 15. You can turn over there with me. I do not have slides. You'll have to use your Bibles. Matthew chapter 15, <clears throat> verse 36 This is another uh, situation where loaves were multiplied. It says, Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples, and they in turn to the people. Again, they all ate and were satisfied. This is a separate event, though. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was four thousand, besides women and children. Okay, so again, faced with an impossible situation in the natural, Jesus takes what they do have. You know, back in the last, back in the last story uh, in John six, Philip, he was asked a question. He just answered it. I'm not criticizing Philip, but. He focused on what they didn't have. He said it would take eight months' wages. You know how can how can we do this? We don't have that. Andrew focused on what they did have. Well, here's a here's a kid's lunch. You know, but what would that be among so many? I mean, he didn't get it. He didn't know it was going to happen. But he did focus on what they did have and presented it to Jesus. That's just another huge part of. Of living a life of gratitude is focusing on what we do have. You have to look sometimes, for sure, at what you don't have and how needs are going to be met, how that's going to happen. You have to look at that. But you don't have to let that dominate your thinking. You don't have to let that be the core of your life. You can choose. You can make a choice. It's that simple. You can make a choice to live with a grateful heart and to immediately, you know, because I've been thinking about this all week, I've really been making myself even more. I mean, we try to live this way, but I came out this morning and I was grateful for the sunshine. I was grateful for the wood pile. What a great wood pile. You know, I was grateful for how far the doors open on this car so I don't have to wedge Karen's uh, guitar in there. I mean, just just little stuff. But if you'll start being grateful for, it's you know, hot running water is always big for me. That's just, I am so grateful that we have indoor plumbing, you know. I mean, there's all these Facebook memes about, oh, you know, you know what, share this or something. If you've ever used one of these as an outhouse, well, yeah, lots of times. And a lot of times they're freezing cold. I mean, you ladies know more than I do, but I mean, it, you know, and it's like, we have indoor plumbing, You know, we have doors that open and close on the house, you know, just be thankful and you have to practice it. But Jesus here was faced with another impossible situation in both of these. He gave thanks before the need was met, before the provision came, he gave thanks. He didn't just give thanks because we talk about that a lot and it's reasonable to give thanks after we receive for sure. But we need to learn that there's a principle here of giving thanks before the provision arrives. We have to learn how to give thanks before the answer comes, all right? He didn't give thanks for the lack. He didn't give thanks. Some people have been taught to do that, to just be thankful. So give thanks to God for the lack in your life. I never see Jesus doing that. I do see him addressing lack by giving thanks for provision that's not there yet. Does that make sense? We give thanks for the solution. We give thanks for the provision. And that is a part of, in, in all of these, let me give you one more uh, out of Jesus' ministry. In all of these, thanksgiving preceded miracles. Thanksgiving preceded provision. John chapter 11. Okay, we're going to look at John chapter 11. This, of course, is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. A lot of story in John chapter 11. And we're not going to go through all that this morning. We're just going to pick up in verse 41. So this is the point where they're already at the grave. He's already talked with Mary and Martha. And and the leaders have said different things. And, you know, all this stuff has gone on. They've, They've communicated with Jesus before he even came back. I mean, there's a lot in that chapter to look at. But down here in verse 41, we're now to the point where Jesus has talked to the sisters and he has come up to that grave. And he told them before anything else happened to take the stone away from that grave. You can see the release of faith there. You can see that he knows what's going to happen here because they're saying, man, he's been in there four days. He's going to stink. You know, and he told them, take the stone away before anything had happened. Okay. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. We don't have any record of Jesus praying. Doesn't mean, you know, obviously he did. Whether that was just communion between he and the Father or whether he prayed out loud while he was walking, we don't know. But he had prayed and he says, I love this. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Jesus taught us to pray. taught us that that faith works in such a way that we should believe that we receive when we pray and then it shall be done. So faith precedes. Faith comes even before the prayer. And I just want to say this real quickly about that. We do... You know, people say seeing is believing, and in the natural, that's just not true. We don't have to wait until we see to believe. In the natural, it's not true. In fact, it's so not true that there are lots of things that are blatantly evident. Uh, Creation cries out that there's a creator day and night, and yet there are people who don't believe that, won't believe that even though there's all this evidence around them. So we don't always even believe what we can see. But in the spirit realm, we do need to see before we believe. It is seeing that will produce believing in the spirit realm, not in the natural. So we need to spend time with God and let him show us what he is going to do in a situation and pray out of what comes out of that. All right, so Jesus is saying, I thank you that you've already heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is standing at a grave. Guy's been dead for four days. He's about to call him out of there. This is like, you know what's really on my heart, Father? Father is that people would know you out of this they are going to do. I know you've heard me. Raising the dead is not a big deal to him. The author of life is looking at that death and saying, oh yeah, he's coming to life. I'm not even concerned about that. What's really on my heart is that people would know that you have sent me. People would be able to receive the message of the gospel. That's amazing to me. And then I think about our lives and I think about the death that may be entering our lives, whether it's physical death, whether it's sickness, whether it's poverty, whether it's uh, broken relationships, whatever it is. How big do you think that is to the author of life? How worried do you think he is that he's going to be able to deal with that situation? The issue of Lazarus Lazarus being raised, it's nothing to him. He's the author of life. What's a big deal on his heart is that these people would come to know him. That's just, that's just the heart of God right there. Does that make sense to you? No? Okay. That's all right. Uh, so when he said this, he called a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus told him to let him go, take that stuff off and let him go. So in all of these situations we just talked about, Thanksgiving preceded, miraculous intervention in something in the earth. And it's just really important that we understand that giving thanks for something we haven't seen yet is a really important part of of having that, whatever it is that's in God's heart and he's involved you with and you're praying for, having that released in this earth, a huge important part of that is our giving thanks for it before we see it. Make sense to you? Okay. So, uh, we're going to look at one more. Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. And I'll mostly just relay this one to you. Acts chapter 27. This is verses 33 through 39. All right. So, Paul's on a ship. You guys mostly know the story. He's on a ship. Uh, They're taking him off uh, to prison. And so, he's on this ship, and they get into the storm. He warned them before that they shouldn't leave port, that they should wait where they were. They didn't do it. They left. They get in this storm. And I don't know how impacting this is to you, but here are these guys. This is this is what we're going to read is 14 days later, 14 days and 14 nights. They're in this wooden boat, totally out of control on the ocean, just being driven along by the winds, waiting to run into something or to sink. You know, I cannot think of very many things The ocean, I love the ocean. It's so beautiful. It's so incredible. And when we've been there, especially when we were in Hawaii and getting, you know, snorkeling and seeing all those fish and the life and the, it's amazing. And it scares the tar out of me. It is so powerful. This to me is like, we were in an avalanche for 14 days, you know, I mean, it's just, so for, for 14 days, they've been out there. And Paul has had a visitation, I think it was on day three, from an angel that has spoken to him, everybody's going to be okay, but don't let anybody escape from the ship because if that happens, everybody's not going to be okay. Uh, There have been all these things that have taken place. But it says, this is verse 33, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. You know, sometimes eating or napping, come on. Could be napping, eating, or spending money on something that's not an absolute need. Sometimes, do you hear me say sometimes? Uh, There are some times where the Lord will lead you to do something that feels frivolous in the moment. It, It takes you outside. Of the storm. It takes you outside of the situation. The, the situation is so critical and it dominates your thinking. And the Lord will show you how much he is not worried about how this is going to work out. He's concerned for you in it, but he, he knows he's going to take care of this and he'll have you just go to a movie, you know, or something and, and get outside of that I believe this is one of those. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. He says, for the last 14 days, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. So they have just been in that place where I don't know what is going to happen, but it doesn't look good for 14 days and 14 nights. And they haven't eaten. He says, now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you, he says it again, he makes a prophetic declaration out of what God has said to him. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, so he made the declaration and then he confirmed it this way. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. So Paul Making this declaration, which came, it wasn't just something he said, it came from what God had said to him. He made this declaration and then he gave thanks and he started to eat. And what was going on, the confidence that was in him spread to the whole group. And the same thing will happen in our lives when we live in gratitude and in faith. It will spread to people around us. It will absolutely affect people around us. Uh, gratitude is something that it can be so impacting to people who aren't living in it. It can be so out of place to where people live. It can break things off of people. And I just really encourage you to, to think about that. He was giving thanks for life beyond the problem. He was giving thanks for life beyond the storm. He was saying, you need to eat. You need that to survive. Well, they're thinking, are we going to survive? He's saying, yeah, let's feed into the survival. Let's feed into what's going to happen on the other side of this because not one of you is going to lose a single hair from your head, which is better news to some of you than, than to others. But so his faith and his gratitude release that hope to everybody on the ship. It can be the same thing in your neighborhood, same thing in your community, same thing at your work. It works this way, okay? So let me give you just a few things that gratitude does and then we'll be done here in just a couple minutes. Number one, it stimulates hope. I think we've made that clear today. Remembering what God has done stimulates hope for what he will do, okay? And that hope is transferable to others. So it stimulates hope. You can build hope in your life through gratitude. Secondly, it combats cynicism. Okay? Cynicism is an attitude where people become contemptuously, this is the definition, contemptuously distrustful of the motives and actions of others. Contemptuously distrustful of the motives and actions of others. Everybody you look at, Uh, The cynical person is convinced that others are only motivated by self-interest. Okay, so anything anybody does, you'll excuse it by saying, well, they're just doing that because they have an agenda. They're just doing that because it'll benefit them. Well, that's, you know, there's something inside of that. You can't ever see anything good when you're cynical. You can have a real view of life and not let cynicism into your heart just contemptuously distrustful of others. The interesting thing is, is that when we start to view others as always doing everything from self-interest, we start doing everything from self-interest. Cynicism will make you a self-interested person. All right? Gratitude inherently focuses on what is good and is thankful for what is good. And so it will break cynicism. And cynicism is a massive tool of the enemy to destroy our culture right now. So I really encourage you to think about that. Listen to what God would say to you. Do not let cynicism into your heart. You, you've got to change probably what you're listening to, the conversations that you have, because uh, it, it's it's a lot of cynicism. It is it, It's our own fault. It's because we don't resist it. It's all around us. We need to resist it. Okay? Uh, gratitude defeats entitlement, okay? defeats entitlement. It recognizes that we have received a gift and that gifts are free. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. All we can do is be grateful for it. We can't set out to earn it after we get it, right? We just have to be grateful for it. It defeats entitlement. Entitlement is the belief that you have been cheated in life and that you deserve what somebody else has. They have it. You want it, also known as covetousness. uh, And so so you deserve it. It's not fair that they have that much money. It's not fair that they have a family. It's not fair that they're married. It's not fair. Whatever it is, it's not fair. It's not fair. I should have what they have. I deserve what they have that is entitlement and gratitude will will break that. Okay, I heard Bill Johnson say this the other day, I thought it was so good. He said, entitlement often hides inside an outward call for justice. Entitlement hides inside an outward call for justice. So people are calling for justice. And what they mean by that is equal outcomes. And what's inside of that is a sense of entitlement. And entitlement is a close relative of jealousy. Jealousy, same thing, says, I want what they have and I'm going to take it. I should have what they have. So entitlement, close relative of jealousy, jealousy, a close relative of the spirit of murder. Because when you look back to the garden and and you look at Cain and Abel, what happened there was, well, God treated his offering right and mine not, so I'm going to kill him this all connects together this all connects together and another thing and this was said and i'm just going to repeat it because it's so true justice is a huge subject in the bible christians should be involved in justice which means defending the the vulnerable taking taking the the i don't mean taking the place taking up the most vulnerable in our society, protecting them, using our resources to help others that don't have a voice or that are vulnerable. But you can't say, I'm a champion of justice and ignore the very most vulnerable, the very least capable, the ones with no voice at all, which are the unborn. You can't say, I'm a social justice warrior and ignore the most vulnerable persons in our society. So, you know, I, I just had to get that out. But, it's, but gratitude is what will defeat a sense of entitlement in our lives, okay? Uh, last one, actually, I already said it. Entitlement is a close cousin to jealousy. Jealousy, a close cousin to a spirit of murder gratitude, habitual gratitude will defeat those things in our life. Did you get anything out of this? All right. We've got about 20 minutes or so left, which should be okay. What did I do with the microphone? All right, let's pray first of all. Father, first of all, just thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. And Father, every one of us want to live a life of gratitude. First toward you, then toward everything else that comes from you. And we recognize it all comes from you and it all belongs to you. So Lord, help us to be a people of deep gratitude for the tiniest things and the biggest things. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we do wanna take a few minutes for you guys to share what God has done in your life. Uh, I've been talking too much. So all I will say is that probably the first thing that stands out to me is the faithfulness of God through this year to us personally, and that's every year, but to the church. And I know pastors that are so discouraged right now. They're so discouraged because people have just stayed away in droves or because they're just really struggling with the restrictions. There are churches that haven't been open since March. We've been able to be open. You know, we've been able to gather. We've been able to see each other's faces. Again, we should be really thankful for that, whether you like each other's faces or not. (laughs) Uh, But God has been so faithful. He's been faithful financially. He's been faithful to us. And I know there are issues. There are things. There are things we're all fighting. But God has just continued to walk us through this thing. And I've just been amazed. In March, it was like, well, this will be interesting. Never even dreamed of facing this issue. And here we are. So, anyway, grateful for that. All right, somebody else, come on up and share. Connie, come on up. Yay. Mm -hmm. Connie can do it. Anybody can do it. I know. I'm so proud of you. Come on over here. Awesome. Got to talk into that. Okay, like (laughs) this? Yes. Okay.
3: What I want to do today is tell you guys, like, From the beginning when all of this hit, I didn't come to church, the coronavirus thing. I was isolated and I was terrified. And it finally got to a point where I said, I can't do this anymore. I was very depressed and just absolutely miserable. So I started coming back to church. And I look around at all you people and I'm going to embarrass some of you. (laughs) Because I'm thinking, I look at Nanette and Michaela, and I think, those are two of the most fun people to hang out with, (laughs) that I've ever hung out with in my life. And I think, if you're depressed, hang around Lisa for five minutes and see if you can be depressed. And Becky Glover, she's not in here, I think she's in nursery, but like at work, if I'm having a hard day and I'm feeling down, the woman comes by and she just starts talking to me and I'm laughing so hard that everything is just forgotten. And what I felt, I came in determined, like John said, he's a prophet, not to say a word and to be invisible as usual, but my heart started just filling with warmth, just this warmth went to my body when I started looking around, I felt like, I know how the Grinch felt, when. It's. and I thought, this is God's way of showing me, this is, like, when I was depressed, I gained 30 pounds, uh, this is you, when you aren't around God's people, and then I can tell you when I started coming back to church, well, I did get sick, that's how I lost the thirty pounds but <laughs> my whole everything changed for me, no matter what happens. I get up, i'm happy i'm you know I'm in a good mood. My little granddaughter, Addie asked me the other night, why don't you have a boyfriend?" And I said, well, I had Papa, and I have Jesus, and that's all the men I ever need in my life. And it's just, it's thanks to you, and I'm so glad I've started coming back to church. It's just the difference it's made in my outlook, the way I feel when I get up in the morning, even when I'm not here. And everybody has, and Barb, I just can't describe Barb, so... <laughs> And you and Pastor John, even when I wasn't coming, I knew that there were people thinking about me. And Kay, who is absolutely amazing. And it just, I don't know, it just fills me with such joy. And I want to thank God for Jessica. And this is, to me, it really tells about God's way. When my husband Tom was dying of cancer, he told me every day... I pray for Jessica. Every day I pray. And it's taken a while, and he didn't live to see it. But I truly believe that God heard him, and God was working the whole time and answered his prayers. Jessica and I have loved each other for 20 years or more, and we have had our many, many ups and downs. But I really feel like God God was working that whole time. And I just want to thank all of you for being here and being who you are. And I love you all so much. Oh,
2: thank you, Connie. So are we gonna call her call her the Grinch from now on or <laughs> least grinchy person we've ever known. Come on, Nanette.
4: So when Jen first announced this, I I went home and I thought, okay, this year I'm going to do this because there's so much to be thankful for. There's been so many ups and downs. Um, So I wrote this whole thing out. So this morning on the way in, um, I realized that I had forgotten my whole written out thing. So I thought, okay, I'll make some notes in my phone. Oh, wait, my glasses are at home too. Okay, good. I don't have to do this. (laughs) Yeah, then worship happened, then your teaching happened. So um, it definitely has been a year of up and downs. In every part of the down, there was always something to be thankful for, um, whether it was just before, during, or just after. A couple weeks ago, I got some information that's not such great news. Um, We're still going to work through that. I'm excited to see what the miracle is. But as I was praying over the whole situation, um, how what my part's going to be in it, I said, Lord, I feel like I'm walking through a minefield. Um, and he reminded me that no matter what happens, no matter what the mine is that I step on or step near, he's right there. He is the same no matter what. Um, you know, and, and then I get these weird little visions. He showed me. He doesn't just wind us up, set us down, and let us go, see what happens. Um, he, he holds our hands. And, and when I was thinking about that minefield, he said, if you just step where I show you to step, if you just follow in my footsteps. So what I'm really thankful for is God is always there. He never leaves us alone, and he's the same. It doesn't matter what happens.
2: All right. Somebody else? Come on up, Kay. She's back there.
0: Come on. Come over
2: here. I saw where it was oh, right okay. here. She's back there telling me to pull people up.
3: Exactly. So I am just so grateful, but the one thing... It's been a tough year with my dad dying and, then, and just having you guys. I just tell you, you guys make my life. But this church, the worship. Um, but the one thing I'm so grateful for is Justin. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. I want him to know that we're thinking of him and praying every day and just believing that Bree is taking care of him and not crippling him. And uh, <laughs> You're, you're a love, Bree, and thank you, Herman, also, so that's what I'm so thankful for.
2: That's awesome. Good. Thanks. Let me read this one to you. It's from Cindy West. It says, I'm thankful for God's presence during this crazy year. It has brought me to a place of knowing this is all out of my hands, and I need to step back from trying to be in control and let God fight the battle, because I sure can't do it. It has shown me he is still on the throne and nothing is a surprise to him. I'm also thankful for this year as it has brought me closer to listening and responding to God. I've had more time in reading and studying my Bible. I'm thankful for God's direction to be obedient this year. Challenged me that even during the shutdown and finances being uncertain, now was my time to tithe, and I mean really tithe, and see if he wouldn't abundantly bless me if I would just be faithful. I'm thankful because he has. Every time I mailed a check to the church, within a matter of a day or two, I'd get a new client at my business. Besides that, he's provided in ways I would never have dreamed of in a million years. It's exciting to live in anticipation to see what he's going to do next and makes me eager to be obedient and to trust him. I'm also thankful that I'm able to view the service via, via live stream or listen to it later, and get to be a part of the services. God bless you all. All right. Who else? Come on up, Gary. Give me that
5: one. Yep. <laughs> Is this where I'm supposed to stand? Yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most of you know that I deliver mail, and I've been doing it for about eight and a half years. Uh, about a year. There you go. Really? Okay, about a year and a half ago, my wife passed away. And after she passed away, uh, it took me a couple months to get my feet back on the ground. When I did, I realized how much she did. She was home working, and I was at, at work and uh, never really gave much, much thought to it. But I was working six days a week. And so I thought, you know, being 39, I'm, I'm at a... <laughs> Excuse me. I'm at a point in my life where I really wanted to work more and more and more. I'd like to start stepping back a little bit. So I started asking God to help me find a way to make an extra $100 a week so I could afford to pay somebody to work on Saturday so I'd have Saturday and Sunday off like a real person. And uh, in August, uh, my route would take me from Gunnison all the way up to uh, CB South. And my last stop would be the Almont post office, grab a new batch of mail, go north, and then go straight back to the Gettison post office. Never would go back to Almont. For some reason, in August, this one Friday, um, I had a package that I couldn't deliver, so I had to write it up and bring it back. When I got back there, there was a strange woman at the post office. And I, well, someone I would never met. So. <laughs> Guys, I was married forever, so when I say strange, they're all strange, okay? <laughs> uh, and as I'm leaving, I'm at the, I drop everything off, and as I'm walking out, she is standing at the, car, talk, at the car talking to a guy, and she said, if only I could find somebody to take this route. Well, I knew that that route had Saturdays off. I thought, I, So I said to her, I said, you know depending on the money, I might be interested. Well, she said, well, give me your phone number, and I'll have the CEO call you. Three hours later, I had a job offer for that route. And I had been asking God for an extra $100 a week so that I could give it to somebody else. I'm apparently a very, very small thinker. And God, he's kind of a jokester, because he said, I'm giving you this. You got your Saturdays off. And I'm going to give you an extra $150 a week if you want to give it to somebody, that's fine, or you can keep it. <laughs> anyway, bottom line is, a lot of you know I lived in the house that used to be over there for eight years. I We didn't come over. My wife was not a, a church-going person. And uh, after she passed away, I, uh, I I didn't want to come back for a while and then about Christmas time, I thought, yes, I do need to go back. But I thought, you can't go in December because people say, yeah, you're the Easter and Christmas Eve guy. <laughs> so started in January, but it's amazing. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, I, I cannot tell you how blessed I am, uh, how much you guys have meant to me, uh, how you have filled me. Uh I I laugh and I joke. And if you hear me giggle, it's because I'm thinking of something, you know, that I probably shouldn't say out loud. <laughs> but you guys have touched me like I had forgotten how a person can be touched by strangers who soon become friends. Anyway, I just I thank the Lord every day for this job for Saturdays off. And uh, I, I don't do windows, so if anybody but I do do laundry, bathroom, shampooing. all. And when I get home today, it's ironing and vacuuming. So thanks, guys. All right. Thanks,
2: Gary. All right. We've got time for one or two more. Come on up.
1: Go from Gary to, Gary to Perry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so as you know, I'm pretty new to the church. So mostly what I want to um, be thankful for is, how God led me, you know, to Gunnison, uh, and then to cross paths with my wife Wendy, who is really what I'm most thankful for. Is um, how our life, how she's enriched my life, um, just with her, with this church, with my new children, and my much larger and wonderful family now. Um, and then a couple of real small stories. We Wendy and I just recently discovered. I was hoping Joel was going to be here, but I and I told him this story, but. Um, it turns out that well Wendy and I were looking for a house right after we got married um, <clears throat> two years ago, March, and uh, Miracle of Miracles, this perfect house right across the street from the middle school showed up right at that point. It turns out that that was a, an ancillary miracle to Joel being transferred back to be the manager of City Market because... That house that we moved into was the old manager of City Market who was transferred to Durango. So it turned out that Joel's Miracle actually blessed our lives uh, really well, too. Then the second thing I want to talk about is something that just happened a week ago, and it's really big in our lives. Um, We found out, most of you probably know, I'm on the board of Legacy Family Ministries, which is the umbrella organization over Lighthouse Pregnancy uh, Resource Center, Um, A week ago, Friday, we found out that Sarah Wood was uh, resigning as our director, uh, which was a big blow because it's a difficult position to fill, uh, not a lot of pay or or hours, and it takes a special kind of person to to do that. But uh, within an hour after getting that email, uh, Wendy comes into the house and tells me she has resigned from Project HOPE. so it was very clear that God was doing something in our lives, and Wendy started three days later. As the now, we have a new position called the CEO of Legacy Family Ministries, and for those of you who don't know, Legacy uh, is an umbrella organization for helping ministries start out in the valley um, that meet our, uh, you know, a Christian mission. We help. We're like an incubator um, with a 501c3. Uh, we have project Le- or we have Le- uh, our lead organization, which is a homeschool resource center where they teach kids uh, one day a week for uh, parents who are homeschooling. Then we have uh, Lighthouse Pregnancy <coughs> Center, which uh, helps uh, new mothers uh, who are making decisions about, you know, how to have their child, what the alternatives are. Um, and, you know, how to go through that. Uh, Valley Prayer is now under, uh, and we're considering a number of other organizations at the same time. And I just, the final thing, I wanted to be make, be sure to thank everyone because so many members of this church uh, give to Lighthouse very regularly. Um, the church also gives very regularly to Lighthouse, and we really appreciate that. Uh, it's a really worthwhile uh, ministry. So I'm very thankful for God for leading me into that ministry. Now it's become... Uh, a family ministry as well uh, and I'm very thankful for that thanks uh, alright let's see
2: okay we got time for one more okay Jessica come on we've got a couple minutes left
0: hi oh that's right
2: bunch of people out there (laughs) okay
0: (laughs) yep my kids are watching um so you know i was welcomed into this church when it was up on the hill behind critter sitters and um papa actually tom willis brought me in and tried to save me as much as he could for a lot of you that don't know you know i struggle with drug addiction and uh you know january 27th will be my third year sober yeah it's, it's awesome I, too, like Connie, could say that there's a lot of people in this congregation that have helped. And, uh, you know, from the worship team to the the servers, you know, um, Becky and them. I just, I, I feel so full when I'm in here. And I, I've never came in and, and left feeling any worse. I've taken a couple women's classes. <laughs> I literally don't understand half of what I'm hearing, but I understand it. You know, I go and I read and... You know, last year I came up to Karen and said, listen, I just need to understand more. I need to understand where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. And I don't know what that is yet. You know, I became a grandma. And uh, so I know I was supposed to be sober to do something. And I think that I found my little journey with my family. And it's for anybody that's out there struggling, it, it's a hard one. But you can do it if I can do it. I mean, I was down here on my knees years ago praying, still couldn't get it together, couldn't get it together, begging Annie, begging everybody to put hands on me and help. And all that I had to do was to give up all hope for a better past, okay? So that's what I chose to do. And in that, prayer is very hard for me because I feel like I don't see it right away, then it's not happening. Or why did bad stuff happen to good people? Um, those aren't, I'm not here to explain that. I don't know what that reason is. I just know that I'm supposed to keep coming back, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. So thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks for sharing
2: that. All right. Well, that was good. I'm sure many, there are many others. I talked too long. Let's uh, stand up and pray this morning. And then again, we have snacks out here. You can line up and be served if you want to stay for that. Otherwise, just pray for everyone that you have a great thanksgiving and if you're traveling just believe God. Father we just thank you Lord that your angels stand charge around about everyone who's traveling many in this congregation already traveling this morning. Father we thank you that you protect and that you sow them like seed Lord as they go that they're able to carry your life and your your word into places Father and Lord, we just we thank you again for all that you do, and we don't see the tip of the iceberg and what you're doing in all of our lives, but Lord, we are so grateful for who you are and all that you've done and Lord, as we go out this week, we thank you for opportunities to share you with people, Lord, to share your life and your power with people. And Father, we pray over the food we're about to receive and the time of fellowship together. We thank you that it's all sanctified to our body's good health. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen.